Good evening. It's good to see you each back with us tonight. We'll be turning over to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was on a Wednesday night, uh, I introduced uh, a topic that I meant to get around to again pretty quickly, but then VBS happened and, and here we are and it's been a couple of weeks. So we're going to review some of this information and maybe some of it stuck with you. Maybe you've been thinking it through. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, so maybe not all of this will be new information for you, but in Genesis chapter 11, we find the Tower of Babel incident. It's really interesting why it's placed here, because if you remember what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, this is not a very big story. We've made it uh, something that, that we focus on, you know, it's, it's an interesting story, and it kind of shows mankind's heart during this period of, the, of, our, of our history, but it's not, it's not a very big story, but the things that are around this story are very big stories. For example, Noah, uh, when the intent and every thought of every man and woman's mind was only evil all the time. That's, that's where we find Noah, and because of this, God sends the flood, and he, he, he wipes out mankind with the sole exception of Noah and his family, one righteous man. And his family were to populate the rest of the planet, hopefully with righteous people who took after Noah. That doesn't happen. That's not how things hash out because we're humanity and we don't do that very well, do we? We, we are selfish and we're rebellious. And, and so we choose our own way over God's way most of the time. And so people start doing that again. And you see that happening right here at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, just after Noah's story has ended. Uh, Moses provides for us Noah's death, Noah's genealogy, and then he's done with Noah's story. And then he proceeds immediately into this Tower of Babel story. He tells that story. And then if you look over in Genesis chapter 12, you find the beginning of Abraham's story where God once again chooses one righteous man and maybe you're feeling deja vu here, but he chooses one righteous man and he intends for all of that one righteous man's family to become righteous. They're supposed to populate the earth and to send out their righteousness to subsequent generations, but also to their neighbors. This will be the family that the Jewish nation comes out of, right? The Jews were always supposed to be missionaries. They were never supposed to be this tiny nation who didn't go anywhere. They were always intended to be missionaries. And so Jonah, the unlikely missionary, uh, is maybe a test case for at least the idea of going. You remember Jonah's story. He didn't want to go uh, he wanted to stay in Israel. But the idea behind this righteous nation, this righteous family, Abraham's family, was that one righteous person would teach his children to be righteous, who would teach their children to be righteous, and that family would reach out and they would include their neighbors in teaching how to become righteous. So you find Noah on this side where God starts over. I mean, he hits reset on planet Earth, on mankind. And in the hopes of one man passing down his righteousness, his way of thinking, his worldview, his 
his life to his next generations. It doesn't work out like that. And so <coughs> it's almost like God resets again in Abraham. Instead of destroying the world this time, he starts off with a single family inside of the world. And in the hopes that that man will teach his children to be righteous and that his grandchildren will be righteous and that his great-grandchildren will be righteous. And that's not how it hashes out either, is it? We have people like Jonah who are selfish and who are rebellious and who just don't listen to God's command. Even though he ought to have known God very well. Jonah, this is not his first call. Jonah's probably a well-known prophet in his day. In fact, he's the one who's going to prophesy that Israel's landmass will be extended. And so that's something that is in Israel's best interest and they would have recognized him as this prophet so he is well known at this point but he's not righteous is he he knows God but he doesn't live like it we find an awful lot of humanity looking like that don't we you find Noah's descendants living like that you find the people before Noah living like that you find Abraham's descendants living like that and for sure we still live like that today don't we and so this story, the Tower of Babel story, being right here in the middle of two resets, it's interesting, right? Wonder what's going on. Well, let, let's, let's, let's walk through this passage. Num uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. I'll probably stop in the middle here and have some comments, but let's start in verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Well, let's just stop right there. They've all got one language, so what would you expect them to be doing? You would expect them to be honoring God, right? He's already told them what their job is. In Genesis 1, 28, you remember what he says? Go out, populate the earth. He says it again to Noah's family. Uh, in Genesis 9, 27, go out and populate the world. Both of those things are obviously after or before the Tower of Babel. And so here's a whole lot of people that all have one language. They all understand each other. What an incredible thing that would be, right? We, we kind of don't understand that necessarily so well in America because most of us speak the same language and always have, right? You go to a third world country and you try to find a bathroom it becomes pretty important that you speak the same language <laughs> or that you can make yourself understood to those folks. These guys all have the same language. They are, they're all thinking the same thing. Isn't that incredible? Like, what could we do if we all thought and, and worked together? Well, that's kind of what they were thinking. But what they're thinking is not God's plan. His plan was to go out and populate the world, and that's not what they're doing. They're going to try to build a tower, and they're going to reach heaven on their own. They had such potential here with one language, but they completely disregarded that potential and have gone their own way. Verse 2, and as the people migrated from the east, now you might want to underline the east. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but normally in Genesis, good things don't come from the east. Do you remember where, where uh, Adam and Eve exited Edom, Eden? They exited to the east, and a cherubim was placed at the east entrance to Eden to protect the entrance so they couldn't come back in. 
when Cain killed Abel, do you remember which direction he went? Well, it wasn't north, south, or west. <laughs> he went east. Uh, so bad things normally come from the east in, in, in Genesis. And so when he says here in verse 2, the people migrated, they were coming from what? From the east. And so with them, they bring all of that rebellion that Adam and Eve had. And they bring all of that anger that Cain has. And they bring it all with them to here in, in the, the land of Shinar. And they settle there. Verse 3, And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Let us we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. A couple things there. You're going to want to underline tower because the thing that they built, don't think Leaning Tower of Pisa. Think um, like a ziggurat like you find in the, the, um, the Aztec cultures uh, in, in South America. Um, it's, it's a square and it's got stairs on several sides and it's got a big base and slightly smaller space, smaller base and slightly smaller uh, and so these things are massive. They're, they're, they've been, uh, some of them have been excavated. I think we found like 20 of them in this area. And some of them are a couple hundred feet just on one side. And so these things can be very, very large. And this one uh, had to have been for their, uh, their, for their intended purpose of reaching the heavens. This would have had to be a very large tower. So they build this tower with the intent of making a name for themselves. Why might that be a problem? Well, that's a problem because only God deserves the glory. They were expecting and hoping to get some of the glory here, but that's just not how it works. Turn over to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. Verse 8. Listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 42, verse 8 he says, I am the Lord, that's my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So in Isaiah's day, Israel has this predilection. They, they, they have this uh, obsession with worshiping idols. And Isaiah has just this, I, I love the way he puts it. Uh, he says, you go out into a forest, you cut down the tree, with half the tree, you carve it up and you start worshiping it. With the other half, you put it in the fire and you make firewood out of it. And Isaiah kind of looks at you, you know, like, do you not see how silly that is? God comes through here and he says, I don't give my praise to carved idols. I don't give my glory to anyone, much less creation, the created, getting glory over God. They're stealing God's glory. That's what these guys are trying to do and that's... That's one of the reasons he's going to punish them in a bit. And notice also their fear. They don't want to be dispersed over the whole planet. Now, again, that's a problem, right? Because what has been God's command from the very beginning? Genesis 1.28, Genesis 9.27, go spread out across the earth and populate the planet. These people are all in one place. They have one language. They're all thinking the same thing, right? They can all think of the potential is incredible. But they're not doing right, right things. They're not being righteous. 
here. They're not obeying. Mark might say they're not submitting, right? They haven't obeyed. They haven't gone out there. They want to be right here, which is rebellion against God. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. So it's just, just a really quick note about irony here. So they're building the tower up into the heavens, right? The goal, we are left 